imagine you're walking around out here near Sanaya, and a child approaches you on the street, small child, and says to you, please help me. I'm hungry. I don't have a place to stay or anyone to take care of me. And you notice this kid needs medical attention. He needs some clothes that will keep him warm. And so you start working. You find some church members who will take him in, give him food, a place to stay. You take this kid to the doctor. You go buy him some clothes and give him money. And then you go home and you think, you know what this kid needs? This kid needs a dad. This kid needs a mom. That's what he needs. The biggest hole in his life is not going to be filled by me giving him things. He needs a person. You and I grow up like that kid. We see we've got lots of needs. We have lots of needs. And we think that what we most need from God is for him to give us stuff, things to meet our needs. But Jesus, this morning, in this text, he wants you and he wants me and Martha to see we need him. He's the greatest gift he has to give to us. And if we have him, we have life. That's what we're going to see. So we're going to work through this passage first by talking about how relentless Jesus is in his pursuit of our faith, of our trust. And then we're going to talk about Jesus as the resurrection and the life. And then finally, we'll see what else we get when we're in him. That's what we're going to do. Let's look at Jesus' relentless pursuit of our trust. Start with me in verse 25. Jesus is speaking to Martha, and he says, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That makes belief pretty important, doesn't it? Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God who's coming into the world. So what does Jesus care most about when he's talking to Martha? Her belief, her faith. His biggest concern in a conversation with a woman who just lost her brother is does she trust him? Does she believe? Luke pointed this out last week. This was in verse 15. Jesus told his disciples, I'm glad that I was not there to save Lazarus so that you may believe. He let a man go through the pangs of death and he let his sisters go through the grief of watching their brother die and Jesus says it's worth it if you believe on the other side. Not because he's cruel. John goes out of his way to tell us Jesus loved Martha. He loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. That was verse 5. Along with the glory of God, Jesus considers your trust 
to be the most important thing that happens in this episode, in this story. Martha's trust, your trust, is the most important thing that's happening. It's more precious than your comfort. Your trust in him is more precious than your health. Your trust in Jesus is more precious even than your survival in this life. And he'll take all of those things away for the sake of your trust. That's what he was doing here 2,000 years ago. And he is the same today. He wants you to trust him no matter the cost because if you trust him, you've gained a treasure beyond compare. That's why. He wants your trust, not your success, not your dream life. Your trust. That's his priority for your life. That you believe him. So for you personally, this means your aim should be the same. Just consider that. That's what Jesus' priority for your life is. Your aim should be the same as his. That you would trust him. Not just do what he says. Not just do religious things. But to trust him while you do what he says. You should aim for the root of trust... For the fruit of obedience. Should aim for the root of trust. So think about a tree. If you want to grow fruit on the ends of the branches, that's where fruit grows, on the tips of the branches, you don't pour water on the ends of the branches, do you? You don't rub a little fertilizer on the tips of the branches. No. You water the roots. You put fertilizer on the roots. If your life is a tree... The things you do are like the fruit that grows on the tips of the branches. Your obedience. You water and you fertilize the root of faith for healthy fruit to grow. If you do the things that Jesus says, but you don't do it from trust in what Jesus says, he won't be pleased. Say that again. If you do the things that Jesus says, but you don't do them out of trust for Jesus, he won't be pleased. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews eleven six. Whatever is not from faith is sin. That's Romans 14, 23. I mean, that really opens up the door for what sin is, isn't it? I mean, it's not just sexual immorality and stealing and saying that nasty thing you did behind that person's back. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Without faith, the fruit is always rotten. You may come to church, you may feed the poor, you may fast day and night, but if it's not from faith, it's just another way to exalt yourself. So aim at trusting God in your obedience. That's what makes it pleasing to him. And aim at trusting God in your obedience because that's how you're going to get power from God to obey. When you trust him, that's how you receive power from the Holy Spirit in your obedience. Remember 
I don't know, about a month ago, we talked about praying in the Spirit, and we read Galatians 3, verse 5, Paul says, He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you does so by hearing with faith. That's how God works powerfully among us when we're trusting him. So one of your main goals each day is to consider who God is and gather up truth in this book that you can trust. That's one of your main goals for each day. If you want to water and fertilize the root of faith. Because that's how you receive the power to obey. Okay, so if you're, if you're trusting God when you obey, and through your trust in him, you're receiving the power to obey him, who gets the glory when you obey? He does. Jesus knows that. That's why your trust in him is very near the top of what he wants for your life. That's why he's saying to Martha, in the middle of her crisis, Martha, do you trust me? Church, do you trust me? That's what matters. That's what matters. Here's here's just one more application for you. This means... When we're trying to love other people, one of the main things we're trying to do is help them trust Jesus, either for the first time or a little bit more. So when you care for people, you need to care for their physical needs. If they're hungry, feed them. If they need clothing, clothe them. And if you do it by faith, God will be pleased. But when you turn your attention to their spiritual needs, Aim at helping them trust Jesus. The reason I say this is, as people, we're always getting together with other people. Always. If you're doing some kind of ministry, you're always getting together and sitting down with people and talking about how life is. It's so easy for us to forget what we're doing there, isn't it? I'm sitting with someone, they're sad. I'm not really sure what I'm doing here, except maybe I'm trying to help them feel a little better. It's good to help people feel better. But the bullseye, the thing you're aiming at is how can I help this person trust Jesus for the first time, help move them down the road, or just help them trust Jesus if they're a Christian a little bit more. That's what we're after. Church, imagine, imagine what God would do among us if we were intentional like that. Before we come here on a Saturday morning and we're going to mingle and interact before and after the service or we're going to get coffee with someone, if we just sat down and we prayed and said, God, help me. I just want to help this person move down the road to trusting you for the first time or just help them trust you a little more. God would do amazing things among us and we'd be aiming at what Jesus is aiming at. He is relentless in his pursuit of our trust of him. Now, in John 11, what does Jesus want Martha to trust? The first thing he wants her to believe is that the resurrection is not just an event. The resurrection is a person. Life is not just something that Jesus gives. 
Life is a person. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let's look through that. Starting in verse 17. When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. The resurrection will be an event. The word resurrection means to live again after you've died. The resurrection is when on the last day, Jesus returns and he raises the dead and gives them new bodies. Now, sometimes when the New Testament is talking about the resurrection, the event, it's referring to Jesus raising up all people who have ever lived. So this is, listen to John 5, verses 28 through 29. Jesus says, an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear my voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So Jesus is saying everyone is going to be resurrected. The good to everlasting life and joy and the evil will be resurrected unto judgment. But mostly when the New Testament talks about the resurrection, it's referring specifically to the Christian hope. That we, those who trust in Jesus, are going to be raised new, glorious. We're going to receive new, immortal, glorious bodies to live with God in the new heavens and the new earth. This is Jesus again in John 5, verse 40. He says, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is special resurrection for Jesus' people. It's glorious. Martha, she believes Lazarus is going to be raised on the last day when God's people are raised. She's confident. She's confident in the event. But Jesus wants her to be confident in more than an event. I'll read verse 24 again, and then I'll add the first part of 25. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the one who's going to bring about the resurrection. He's the one who's going to bring all people back to life. And yes, he's the one who's going to give unending life to us. But Jesus wants you... He wants me, he wants Martha to know more. He is the resurrection. He is the life. What is life? It's a very philosophical question. 
I would just challenge you. I tried to do this this week. I would challenge you over lunch with those that you're eating with. Try to define what life is. Just try. It's not easy. I think you'll see that you can't do it without connecting to Jesus. You can't. Let's, let's talk about what life is not. Life is not simply existing. Consider this. Satan, demons, and those who do not trust God will continue to exist forever in judgment. And the Bible doesn't call that life. The Bible calls that death. Second death. So simply continuing to exist is not life. Jesus says he is the resurrection and he is the life. Resurrection and life are not things he hands out to us like candy. Here's some resurrection for you. Here's some life for you. You want some resurrection? You want some life? You can have both. Here's some resurrection and life for you. That's not how Jesus works. He is what he gives to us when he gives us life. He is the thing we need. You don't just need to keep existing. Ceasing to exist is not an option for anyone. That's not what you need. You don't need some force or energy called life that God keeps in a bottle that he's going to pour out for you to drink. You need him. To know him. To have him. To be in a relationship with him. His person. In this gospel, the gospel of John, remember, again and again, Jesus keeps drawing attention to himself as what we need. He tells us we've got thirsty souls. Our souls thirst, don't they? He doesn't just give us water for our souls, does he? He is the water for our souls. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. We have hungry hearts. Jesus doesn't just give us bread for our hungry hearts. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus doesn't just give us light to our darkness, does he? What does he say? I am the light of the world. He doesn't just save us to give us something else. This is so crucial to get. Jesus doesn't just save you to give you something else. He saves you to give you himself. He is everything you need and could ever want. If that's not how you think about eternal life, if that's not how you think about salvation, change the way you think. He is the gift that he gives to us in his death and his resurrection. He is. He will give us resurrection and life on the last day. So I'm not being so philosophical that I'm ignoring the fact that he's really going to raise us to life in the resurrection. But the new life and resurrection we are going to experience is all about experience 
experiencing him. He is what's going to make heaven exciting. He is what will make you happier than you've ever been in your entire life. He is going to be your overflowing cup forever. He, the person of Jesus, he's the treasure. You want life? I mean, everybody wants life. You want new life? Do you know what you're looking for? It's a person. It's Jesus. Seek him. Know him. Think about the difference in the relationship you have with your pharmacist and with your friend. Now, if your pharmacist is your friend, this is not going to work. A pharmacist is someone who stands behind the counter at the store where you buy medicine. You know what I mean by pharmacist? They're a person, a real person, but you go to see them because they have tablets behind the counter that they can give you. Your relationship with them exists because you want the medicine, the tablets that they have. If you can get more tablets somewhere else for less money, you're going to go see that pharmacist. That's not like the relationship you have with your friends. What do you want in a friendship? You want to have the other person. Enjoying them is what you are after. Among friends and lovers, the other person is the joy. You delight in a person. That's what friendship and love is. It's when the other person is the treasure of your relationship. So many people treat Jesus like their pharmacist. He dispenses my medicine, my life, my provision, my destiny. If your relationship with Jesus mainly consists of you coming to him to get other things from him, you don't have life. It doesn't matter how long you've called yourself a Christian or how long you've gone to church. You think life is in the tablets behind the counter. You're looking over his shoulder at the medicine, the cars, the money, the power, the success that he can turn around, grab off the shelf, and hand to you. And you're missing the fact that he is life. You don't see in his face is what you need. Even if you don't get anything else. Do you know and trust and embrace him? That's why he makes this astounding statement to Martha. He wants her and you and me not to trust simply an event that the resurrection's going to happen and treat him like a pharmacist who's just going to turn around one day and give it to us. He wants Martha and you and me to trust him. That's what it means to be saved. If you have him, here's what you get with him. 
This is our last section. Because we could just end there. We could, we could say, Jesus is all you need. And miss that he really is going to bring your body back to life. And he's going to carry you safely through death. Verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. If you believe in Jesus, even though you die, you will live. Jesus is talking about the resurrection here. Your body is going to give out. We don't know when. We just know it will, unless Jesus returns first. But he's going to give you a new one. This is different than what's about to happen to Lazarus. Lazarus is going to get his old body back without whatever illness killed him. But it's still an old, fallen body, and he will get sick again, and he will die again. When Jesus gives his people new bodies on the last day, they will be immortal and more splendid than you can imagine. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says that your dead body is going to be put underneath the ground like a seed that's being sown. Just like you sow a seed, you cover up with soil, you water it, and something grows up, that's what's going to happen to your body. It's going to be laid underneath the ground like a seed. And he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, so it is with the resurrection. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. He's going to make you new. And this body you have is going to be glorious. Listen, none of us is going to look glorious when we get planted into the ground. None of us will. But what springs up on the resurrection will be more amazing than you've ever dreamed. If you trust this man, though you die, yet shall you live. Jesus also says in verse 26, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So he just said, if you die, you'll live again. And here he's saying, you'll never die. Your body will die, and Jesus will give you a new one. But here, Jesus is saying, if you trust in him, and your life is in him, that connection will never break. So if you live in him now, you'll never die. Even though your body will die someday, there will be no break in your connection with Jesus. So my internet at home has more than one network on it. So I have a little modem and things that stick up and it somehow makes Wi-Fi that fills up one room, okay? So I've got network for one room, but it doesn't reach the other rooms. And so we have this extender 
that we've plugged in elsewhere, that creates another network. And you guys all know what this is like. If you're working on something on your phone or your device and you move away from one network and it switches over to another, everything stops. What's going on? There's a gap. There's a break until it clicks over to the other network. And some of us think that that's what death will be like. That will not happen on your hospital bed with Jesus. Your union with him will be seamless from this life to the next. He will never leave you. In fact, you will have him more fully than you've ever had him before. Do not fear death, Christian. You have the resurrection and the life. And he will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ, the son of God who's coming into the world. This is an amazing statement. We talked about this in Bible study for a second yesterday. This is on par with what Peter says in the other Gospels. And Jesus praises him for it. She says, you're the Christ, the Son of God who's coming into the world. But I don't think Martha sees fully what Jesus wants her to see. But she will. Raising Lazarus will be a step along the way. For Martha to see that he can raise her her brother because he is the life. There is no life anywhere else. Life is in him. That's what this gospel told us from the very beginning. You remember back? Very beginning of this gospel. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. All things were created through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in giving us your son, you don't just give us something less than yourself. You give us yourself, which means we have all things. Oh, I pray, Father, you would make us a people who do not fear death. Because we know that though we die, yet shall we live. And if our life is in you, we will never die. Oh, we bless you, Father, for your Son. And ask that he would be glorified in our trust of him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.